take two and thanks for all right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Personal Card Collection. I have all my good friends in the hobby, Jeremy Lee. You know him from the sports channel, Sports Card Live, which is on every Saturday. In fact, I'm going to be on After Hours this Saturday talking about the 52 card shows in 2021. Hey, Jeremy, how's it going? Going great, Ryan. Thanks for having me, man. It's been quite the year. Hey, no problem. Finally get to have you on the channel. I've been over on your channel quite a bit. I'm excited today because we're going to be talking about some of your vintage hockey cards, taking you all the way back from tobacco cards to some of the stars of today, like McDavid. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, you know, I, I was looking forward to this because obviously I'm passionate about hockey cards and I collect hockey cards going back to the first, uh, the first real kind of portrayal of hockey on cardboard that I'm aware of back in 1888. And I, I collect basically as when people say to me, like, so do you collect modern or vintage? I collect it all. I collect 1888 to 2021. So um, I did pull out some cards to show to kind of take us through the history of, of cards. We'll do it sort of, Ryan, um, in terms of rookie cards to start, mostly rookie cards, and then uh, some of the inserts kind of starting in 1990 when we really had our first hockey insert. Sounds good. But before you show off those cards, how did you actually get into hockey cards and collecting in general? I got into it as a young kid, you know, um, I'm born in the early 70s. And in the late 70s, I remember going to my cousin's house, I have uh, three cousins, they're all boys. And they're all around my age, uh, one's two years older than me, one's my age, and one's two years younger, and we're first cousins. And I remember going to my the older guy in his bedroom, and he had a bunch of hockey cards just strewn all over the floor. He was like playing with them or whatever. And I don't know, he, I was probably eight years old or so he was probably 10 years old. And I remember picking these up and looking at them, be like, wow, this is awesome. Like these are little pictures of these players where with, with on the reverse of the cards, you had their stats, you had their, you know, where they were born, what their summer jobs were totally really interesting. And I, at that stage, I was actually going to hockey games uh, with my dad. So I, it was just neat to see pictures of these players that I had seen on the ice and, uh, and learn more about them through, through the cards. So that's kind of my, my earliest memory. That would have been like, I don't know, 1979, 1980. And around 1982 is when I really started opening packs and looking to complete sets of Opeechee hockey every year. Did that right through till the end of uh, uh, 1990. I graduated high school in 1990. So I was doing complete sets right through high school. Uh, in 91, my family and I, we opened, up, uh, we opened up a card shop actually. And so I ran that shop from 91 until 1994. And uh, after that, I was busy with school and I kind of took a, I, I lightened my involvement with the hobby. I didn't step away, but I wasn't as involved in the second half of the nineties than I was for the, the previous 15 years. And, uh, and then 2000, the year 2000 rolled around and I had just moved cities and uh, kind of went to check out what the car shops were like, where I live now in Calgary, found a couple, started buying boxes and opening packs and building sets again and um, I just I haven't looked back I've been going strong for for over 20 years again now so that would be that's my my history in the hobby and when you got back into it in the 2000s is that when you started attending like the Toronto Sports Card Expo and other card shows as well or is that a little bit later on no that uh it was just a little bit later on I think I started going to the Toronto Expo actually I started going to the Toronto Expo 
in around the year 2000. And um, I don't know that I went to everyone between 2000 and 2005, but in 2005 is when I, like, I don't think I've missed an expo since 2005 and it's twice a year. So I fly out to Toronto twice a year for that. Uh, and, and that's when I started really setting up at the show as well, as you call it tabling, I call it setting up. I've been setting up at the show now for uh, over 15 years. And I started uh, also attending the national in, I think 2007 or eight, and I set up at that show from around 09 until maybe 15 or 16. And I haven't set up since, but I still attend and hang out. And uh, I love it. I, I love card shows. I go to as many as I can that are within, you know, a relative, uh, not like you, Ryan, but, but I go to as many as I can. Well, I still want to go to the expo quite a bit. That'll probably be my first international card show for anyone who hasn't seen the expo yet. You know, how does it really compare to the national size wise? Is it majority hockey or is there also baseball up there, basketball or how's the show in general? Yeah. I mean, it is, it is, I will say it is a majority hockey, but you find everything there, you know, basketball in Canada, extremely popular baseball extremely popular nfl's extremely popular really hockey's obviously the yeah all the sports are popular in canada canada's really you know no offense to my fellow canadians but we're you know in for all intents and purposes we're we're an extension of the united states for you know we it's there's not that much different you know obviously our healthcare system is different we used to we our money is plastic and colorful and we have a different government but culturally we're very very similar to uh, to the U.S. So, uh, but the Expo itself, it's an amazing show. I do believe it's still the second biggest card show in the world after the National. I spoke uh, this past one in November. I was there. I spoke to a couple of guys who came down from the state or came up from the states who had been to the National, the Florida shows, the Dallas shows, and they were saying that this was the best show they'd ever been to. And these are guys who are, you know, American and I'm not sure exactly where they live, but uh, but they were so impressed with the expo and how well it was run. And uh, it's it's an amazing show. And I think it's only only going to get better now. Uh, now that we you know, the hobby is just coming together so well. And that's what, twice a year? It's twice a year. It's always well, it's always been the first weekend of May and the second weekend of November. You have the spring expo and the fall expo uh, with, you know, with the way the world is right now um, and talking to the promoter, Steve. Uh, he's not sure exactly when the spring expo will be either the beginning of May, sort of end of April, beginning of May or the end of May this year. So we'll find out soon enough. All right. Well, as soon as you find out, let me know, but I'm going to try to make it up there. Assuming all the COVID stuff slows down a little bit. Don't know what's happening with this new strand, but assuming it does, I'm going to try to book a trip up there. Can't wait to see you there, buddy. It's going to be fun. But if you guys are going to go up there, you need to know some hockey history and now i want to take a look at some of those cards all the way from what 1910 or 1911 is that first set yeah that's the first set the first hockey set came out in 1910 but we're going to step back 22 years earlier and i'm going to show you what what i believe is the first card that portrays the sport of hockey on it so it's not necessarily a player's card but it is still a card that when i discovered that it existed i thought to myself i think i need to have that in my collection and the seller is somebody who is kind of known for having a lot of rare vintage material. And so I knew the card was good. I knew that it was, you know, I'll call it semi-important, but I knew I wanted a copy. He had two of them on eBay. He had a PSA 2 and a PSA 4. And I was looking at these and I'm like, why? The 2 is nicer. It's the nicer card. And he had a price lower. So, and they were both buy it now. So I ended up hitting the buy it now on the 2 
because it was nicer than the four and I'm glad I did. So let me show you that. This is from, it's the 1888 Atlantic and Pacific trading card or trade card that was used to promote baking soda, baking powder, I should say, at the time. It says, if I turn it over, you can see A&P baking powder. It says it right there. So really neat piece, historical piece that is from 1888. It portrays what you know, got about six or seven gentlemen uh, skating on the ice with sticks that look to be hockey sticks. And there seems to be a little round item or object on the ice that is either a ball or a puck of sorts. But, um, you know, it is labeled on the, on the, on here as hockey. So I thought, you know what, I'm definitely going to add this to my collection. It's oversized. It's really cool. And um, I haven't looked back. I really, really like this piece. Yeah, I was so going to ask when I saw that, if that was like a baseball or if it was kind of like a puck, I wasn't sure at first, but it definitely looks like a baseball or some sort. It's something, something they were trying to, you know, uh, shoot around the ice and hopefully plop it in the, in the net at the end of the, uh, at the end of the rush. So, so that's the earliest hockey card that I own and that I think exists. It's from 1888. Then, as far as I know, there's nothing else until 1910, when the Imperial Tobacco Company started inserting hockey cards into their cigarette packages, similar to the T206s and the rest of the tobacco era cards. So there were three sets that were made for hockey. There was the 1910, the 1911, and the 1912 set. And then after that, there was nothing until 1923. But I have an example of each of those sets. So the, the 19, it's a little, it's a little funny, Jefferson Burdick, when he assigned the, the labels to these sets, I think uh, either he got one of them backwards or somebody came in later and decided that, well, wait, the, the, 1910, the, the 1910 set that he thought was 1911 is actually 1910. So in any event, they all start with the letter C. And so the first one is the 1910. And I've got an example here, card number eight, Art Ross. So you can see on the label, this is called the C56 set. And it's a 36 card set. Uh, it's again, it's got 21 Hall of Fame rookies in it. Every card is a rookie card because of course there were no cards before this of players. Um, this particular card, Art Ross, Art Ross is uh, the trophy is named, the trophy that is given out to the player who has the most points every year is called the Art Ross trophy still to this day. So he's a true pioneer, still relevant because his name is announced every year. And uh, he actually had two cards in this series, number eight and number 12. But uh, I chose to show you guys number eight today. Again, a 36 card set. I, um, I'm proud to own the complete set. Uh, it's just neat to say that I have the whole, the complete set of the first set ever made of hockey cards. So this is the, again, this is the C56 set from 1910. Now you'd think the next set should be called the C57s. But no, the 1911 set is called the C55. And this is why I think there was a bit of maybe a correction was made later on. But this is what the, the 1911 set looks like, the C55s. It's the most desired or, or collected, I would say, of the three initial hockey sets. Partially because of this card right here, the George Vezina. So Vezina, uh, the trophy that is given to the best goaltender every year is called the Vezina Trophy still to this day. And that's named after this guy right here, George Vezina. Uh, this card is often, it's thought of by many to be sort of like the, the Holy Grail of, of vintage hockey cards. And, um, you know, it's, it's highly desirable. Any serious, you know, vintage hockey historic, historian or collector wants this card. 
And um, so the, in, in the second year, these are the 1911s, again, the C55s, it's a 48 card set. So more than the year before they expanded it. There's several Hall of Fame rookies as well. And of course, several important second year cards, but this would be the key card of all three sets from the night from the uh the c56s the c55s being this one and then the c57s looked like this a very simple black and white image extremely fragile paper stock with these i've been trying to put together the complete sets of all three of these so i have this first set done uh this set here i'm not quite finished yet but i want this in all psa fives or better where when it comes to the c57s you can barely find these cards. I'm happy in any condition. PSA 1, authentic, PSA 2. I've got, it's a 50 card set this year and I'm making my way through them. I still need a few, but again, I don't really care what the condition is when it comes to the C57s. They are extremely rare. And this is the, the Fred Taylor, also known as Cyclone Taylor, a pretty important uh, pioneer of hockey. But all three of these guys are, are hockey pioneers, Vezina, Art Ross, and uh, Cyclone Taylor. So again, these three cards represent the first three sets that were ever made of ho for hockey cards. They're all small tobacco cards, and um, they're pretty awesome. I mean, they're they're just uh, they're it's history in my hands right here. Now, do they have rare backs, kind of like the T two hundred six cards do, or some of the T two hundred fives as well, or is it all standardized across the board? Yeah, it's a great question, Ryan. It's standardized. As far as I know, and I, I think I know by now, there are no variant uh, reverses. They're all they're all the same. So you once you have the set, you pretty much have the set. Or once you have the, a player's card, you don't need to chase other options. And then the Art Ross, are they both portrait shots or is one an action shot or are they similar like that aspect? So great, another great question. The other one is not, it's not a portrait shot. It's actually a full body shot. Most of the cards... In the, in the first year here, I don't know the breakdown, but of the 36 cards, I would say 25 are portraits like this and the rest are like more full body in, in, uh, in, in, with equipment on shots where they're holding their stick and they've got their pads on sort of thing. So, uh, but great question. And on that last one, is it so much scarcer than the other two or is it just because of the cardboard stock on those like print run probably a lot lower? I think it's a bit of both, Ryan. I think, first of all, you know, talking about like true scarcity, condition scarcity, I mean, this is, this set epitomizes that. But I think, I think that just the amount that were made would be lower than the two years before based on just the amount of these that you see out there. I mean, you can go, you can go to a card show in Canada, you might see, you know, you might see zero of these, one or two you know, you're probably going to see a few of these, each of these sets. These sets are both much more popular and like, look at them. They're nicer. They're colorful. You know, they're the, the C55 with this one here, very popular. A lot of people like how you have the, the hockey stick art coming up both sides. You know, you've got a nice, bright, colorful picture of the player. It's a beautiful set when you have all the cards together. They're just so nice. I would say they're nicer than this, but this set reminds me of the T206s a lot. Just the port. I mean, this card here could be a T206. You wouldn't know. It the really difference. could. The other ones kind of remind me a lot of the T205s minus the gold border around them. I mean, how intricate they are, especially like the minor leaguers. Like, I know a lot of people don't know what the T205 minor leaguers are. Probably put a picture on the screen now, but a lot less in the set, but they're beautiful cards. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we get to move on from the original three. 
yeah, let's move on. Okay, so after that, the, the Imperial Tobacco Company was done doing hockey cards, and we didn't see any more hockey card releases until 1923, when a company called the William Patterson Company, I believe they were a candy company, and they inserted their cards into what I believe to be chocolate bars. And so they did two sets, the 1923-24. You know, in hockey, we always use two, two years when you quote the set. I often just use the first year for simplicity, but they did what's known as the 23-24s, and then they did the 24-25s. But again, to keep it simple, in the 1923 set, again, there hadn't been any releases for, for 10 years, and now all of a sudden they put out a set. I forget how many cards are in the set, but filled with rookie cards again, and some key Hall of Fame rookies, including the key card in the set, which is this one right here, the, the Howie Morenz. Howie Morenz is known as the, the first true superstar of hockey, played for the Montreal Canadiens, a legend to this day, uh, just some uh, somebody who is really worshipped, if you will, in uh, as far as Canadian hockey goes, especially in Montreal, where, where he did play. So this, to me, in my opinion, this is the most important pre-war hockey card, more important than anything I just showed you. I think this is, a, this is just a key card. It's got a blank back, nothing too exciting there, but a really tough card. Um, just, just for interest sake, I'll let you know, I bought this card on eBay several years ago in a KSA 5 holder, and I had it swapped over to, uh, or crossed over, as we say, to PSA, and it came back a three, which I was very happy with. Again, a lot of cards like this, it's about the card, not the grade, as long as it's got some nice eye appeal, which this copy really does. So again, it's a black and white set, portrait uh, portrait images all the way through. You've got about, you got four really important Hall of Fame rookies. Uh, you know, you've, you've got, of course, Howie Morenz here. You've got uh, Jack Adams. Uh, you've got Oriel, Oriel Joliot and uh, one other who's just uh, skipping my mind right now, but a really important uh, set overall which I just, I just love them. And then the second year they did the 24s. I don't have a, 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 an example here, but almost looks the exact same. The cards are just a little bit narrower, but uh, basically the same cards. Maybe they blank back as well. Their... What's that? Blank back as well. Blank back as well. Yeah. Yeah. So from there, there were a few kind of, I would call them more, I don't know, minor or uh, just not as available sets that had come out in 25 maybe in 1926 as well and then really the there was a proliferation of sets again in 1933 for hockey you had three really main main sort of sets um you had uh, you had of course opichi debuted the opichi set debuted in 1933 and there were two others one goes by the by the name anonymous and the other one is uh, was made by the Canadian Gum Company, a really beautiful set. And, and then, of course, you had the multi-sport Sport King set as well. And so while I don't have any of those 33 Opeaches or the Canadian Gums to show, I do have a 33 Sport Kings card that I absolutely love. Again, it's the same, it's the same player as I showed you here, Howie Morenz, but this is his 1933 Sport Kings. And just a, an amazing card. I'm sure many of your viewers by now, Ryan, are familiar with the 33 Sport King set. Yep. Just with your love, your love for vintage. Right here. And the fact that, yeah, exactly. And the fact that the Sport King set spans all the sports, right down, right down to like archery and uh, billiards and all that. So really, I love this card. 
And a cool, quick, cool story about this card, Ryan. I got this in a trade at a show four or five years ago, and I traded away like a modern day card for this. And to me, I mean, I just, you couldn't go wrong. I forget what card I gave away for it, but I was really happy with that trade. That's honestly the best way to do it. When I got the shore, I had the option of either getting the shore as a seven or the Morenz as a six. If I spent, I think it was like an extra hundred dollars, but this shore is just so nice. I couldn't pass it up. So the Morenz is still on my list of cards I wanted to get. And before talking to you, I didn't even realize he had earlier cards. I haven't done my full research on it, but I don't know how pricey that one card is in the 1920s, 1924 or 25 card is, but I'm definitely gonna be chasing after the 33 Gaudi for now. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, it's actually the Eddie Shore that you have. I mean, Eddie Shore is the key rookie card in all the 33 sets, in all the 1933 sets. So your Sport Kings, I mean, I would consider that to be a rookie card. That is that is the first year that how that Eddie Shore, who's a who's a, a top end Hall of Famer. You know, uh, just like Howie Morenz is, Eddie Shore is a very, very important player in the history of hockey. And uh, it looks like you have his rookie card right there. One, you know, he's got four rookie cards, which is pretty crazy when you think back to 1933, but he it does. Is. Yeah, it's he what, he has the Opeche as well, I've seen online. Don't remember, I think the Opeche is a lot more scarcer, right? The Opeche is um, scarcer than the Sport Kings. I'm not exactly sure. It might not be, it might, I, I don't know the answer to that but it's an amazing card. I, I have a copy, not available, not, not in my, not handy right now to show, but uh, the 33 Opeachy set, again, while I'm not going to show you an example, I will let you know that the set is big. It's over a hundred cards and it came in four different colors. So you could get four different talking about variations like the T206s. These variations were on the front. There was the red, the orange, the yellow, and the blue. And Whichever one you, or sorry, there's the green, there's a green. So maybe one of those colors aren't there. Maybe whichever one, but in any event, you could, there's four different Eddie Shores and four different, uh, everybody who's in that set, uh, Howie Morenz is in the set. So you have the opportunity to choose the color that you like the best. For me, the reds are the nicest. I have my Eddie Shore is a blue, very nice as well. But, um, so I don't know which is rarer, but I can just tell you that, uh, that the 33 Opeachy set, it's an, it's an amazing set. Um, it's super important because Opeachy is still made to this day. The brand lives on today. They made cards from 1933 till I believe 1940 or 41. And then they stopped and they didn't come back until 1968. So there was like a 35 year break there. Again, there were no hockey cards from like 1940 or 41 until 1951 after the war was over. And a new company came on the scene called Parker's. They were a confectionery company. And they came out and they started making hockey cards with gum, like most companies, like Tops and uh, Bowman and Leaf did back in those days. So you ready to see a card from 19, the, the, the first 19, the 1951 set? Yeah, let's take a look at it. I was going to say, though, real quick, it, it's a lot of similarities between uh, the Opeaches and also the Gaudi Gum Company, at least in America. The 41 Gaudis had the four different colors as well in that set. I, I'm kind of curious if they took inspiration from Opeachy. I know they had their also, they had like a subdivision brand over in Canada as well that produced cards for the Gaudi set. I don't know if they also did it for Sports Kings. Not too sure on that, but the much lower pop on the Gaudis that were printed in Canada. Yeah, that's right. That's right. When I was hunting my, uh, my 33 Gaudi Babe Ruth card, I almost mistakenly bought the 34 Canadian version, which looks the exact same. Yeah, and they I was so, like, 
yeah, you got to be careful there. You do, because it's interesting that 34 Canadian set has half 33 designs and half 34 designs. It's the weirdest thing. And the numbers don't line up correctly as well with either 33 or 34. They have their own numbering system. So you get a mixture of both sets with new numbers on it. It's so weird. It's so cool. Just the knowledge that, that you have already and uh, the fact that you know that I think is awesome. So again, we have no cards from about 1940 till 1951. And then Parkhurst comes out. And they, with their first set, the 1951-52 Parker set, it's 105 cards, I believe, to this day is one of the most important sets in the history of hockey cards. It is filled with important Hall of Fame rookies, including the number one card in the set is the Gordie Howe. Now, you'll notice that these are, they. I mean, this is now 40 years later since we were looking at these cards here, 40 years later. This doesn't look like it's advanced much. That the technology came very far in 40 years from these. I'd rather right? have the tobacco cards, to be honest with you. They look so much nicer. Yeah. When I first saw these, I thought, no, that can't be a rookie card. That's not even a card. It's too small. But that was when I was younger, and I didn't really understand the history. Now I do. This is a very important card. This is Gordy Howe's true one and only rookie card. And it's, it's beautiful once you start to appreciate it after years of, of loving these things you you do i think it's beautiful now it's not as beautiful as the next card i'm going to show you but it is still beautiful in its own way in its own little kind of very basic sort of way you know one color on there being the red of course and uh a blank back the reverse is blank you've got the some information in the bottom in text i will let people know if you're looking for these cards oftentimes the text at the bottom fades away is faded away and I, I don't know that that's because it faded over time or the ink just didn't press down hard enough uh, when it was produced in either in any event though as legend has it and i believe this is true these you know these were printed cut and then collated so that they could be inserted into packs they were collated by being dropped into a cement mixer and twirled they were collated in a cement mixer. So the fact that any of these came out with sharp corners is unbelievable. And uh, so just the, that's the legend. You talk to any his hockey historian, they'll, they'll back that story up. So really neat set. The first year they did it was uh, the Parker's made cards is this year here. And uh, you've also got the rookie card of Maurice Richard, the Rocket, very uh, legendary player. You've got Terry Sawchuk, one of the legendary goaltenders of, of all time. You've got Doug Harvey, who was like, the number one defenseman before Bobby Orr came around. And, and the list kind of goes on and on with important uh, Hall of Famers in this 1951 Parker set. I was going to ask you about the Parkhurst as well. Um, I know they obviously made hockey cards, but I saw that they also made wrestling. Was there any other sports that Parkhurst made in the 50s? I, I'm not sure, Ryan. Um, I just, I don't know the answer to that. No worries. I, yeah, I'm actually, I didn't even realize that they made wrestling cards, to be honest with you. I think it was a 54 or 55 wrestling. It was on the channel a while ago when the wrestling guys showed a few different like eights and nines, insane collection of those. But I didn't realize for the longest time they made wrestling as well. So I was kind of curious. Yeah, that's pretty neat. So the next card I want to show you, we're going to skip now from 1951 to 1954 when Tops got into the hockey card game. And they, they made a splash because they went, <laughs> we, we started with this and then they came out and put this thing out here. Thank you. Now, Tops. if you just, I mean, this card here, it's his, it's Gordy Howe's first tops card. It's from 1954. It's full size. It's actually oversized. It's bigger than today's standards. 
it's just gorgeous. I mean, look at it. It's got everything going for it from a, a full body shot of Gordie Howe, an action shot, the facsimile autograph. You've got the Detroit Red Wings logo up in the corner. You got the blue and the red bars at the bottom with his name and the team. I mean, it takes this to a whole new level, even the reverse. You can see the reverse. It's got, you know, color, lot, lots going on there. Like a lot of, oh, nice. lot of information for kids in, of the day to read and study and learn about Gordy Howe. Like it's, it's, it's just awesome. It, it, it says, I'll read the first sentence, regarded by many experts as the greatest hockey player of all time. Gordy Howe. So, they should, they so, didn't even need many experts regarded as the best hockey player of all time. One of the best yeah. back then. Yeah. So it's just cool how, you know, the hockey cards came a long way from in three years from 51 to 54 when tops came onto the scene and obviously tops had been making beautiful cards since 51, especially 52. And then they did, they came out with hockey and uh, we have this card now to remember, this is the card actually that represents Gordie Howe on the PSA Mount Rushmore of hockey uh, set, the four card set registry. This is the card, not, not this one. This is the one that is that that is on the original Mount Rushmore list. So pretty cool. Now, what were the other cards in that Mount Rushmore? I'm guessing the Vesna, Gretzky, and then what Lemieux, probably. It's the it's the the Gretzky, it's the Bobby Orr. Ah, the Orr. The Gordy Howe. And I'm blanking on the last one. It might be it's either it might be Vesna. It's probably George Vesna. That's yeah, I'd have to, yeah, it is George Vesna. Yeah. But Mentioning that mentioning or speaking of the uh, the Mount Rushmore, so let's now move on from 1954. Skip ahead. Tops made cards from 54 all the way through, uh, all the way through the 90s. Uh, I think there might have been one or two years where they didn't, but they did make cards in 1966. And this is a this is one of the most iconic hockey cards uh, in existence. This is the Bobby Orr rookie. You know when Bobby Orr came onto the scene. He became known as the best player to ever play. And uh, he was a defenseman. He revolutionized the game in terms of defensemen. He showed that a defenseman could actually cross the red line, come out of his defensive zone and score goals. And he was, I mean, he led the league in scoring one or two years. So he really changed the game. And, um, you know, a lot of people who are maybe a generation or a half to a full generation older than myself, will say that he's the best player to ever play the game, not Wayne Gretzky. Now, while they are wrong, they truly believe that. And I mean, I know all jokes aside, this is this is a spectacular card. I love, you know, and it, it reminds you of the, uh, what is it? The 68 tops baseball with the Nolan Ryan rookie, right? Yeah, the 68 tops. And I'd also say the 55 Bowman, how they have the right. teams as well. Very familiar. Exactly. Yeah. So just a great card. I mean, this is something that even, you know, if you don't collect hockey cards, you must have seen this card before, similar to the Gretzky rookie. Really important card. And uh, one, of my, one of my favorites in my personal collection, of, of course. So let's skip ahead now. Let's go to the, to the true goat of all goats in hockey. Let's go over to 1979 when Opeechee and Topps both put out their set. So I want to mention, actually, before I do that, in 1966, there was no Opeechee. So this is with a caveat this is bobby orr's only rookie card now there is a tops test set from 1966 that looks the same the tint the color of the wood grain is a little bit lighter but in any event um there was only one company making cards in 66 
Parkhurst was done by then. Enter 1968 and Opeachy comes on the scene along with Tops, licenses the images and makes cards that look just like the Tops cards. So we'll, I'll, the first one I'll show you where I have one of each is 1979. Everyone will recognize these, the Wayne Gretzky rookie card. So this is the, that's the Tops right there and that's the Opeachy right there. They look the exact same, like very little difference from the front. But if you turn them over, you can see that the cardstock used was actually slightly different. You've got the darker, the darker uh, tops back to the lighter Opeachy. And that's a, a very quick way to figure out the difference. Also, the Opeachy has English and French, where the tops just has the, the English on the back. But these cards are, you know, they are the, I would say, the most iconic hockey card ever made is the Gretzky rookie. And um, he only has the two. They look the same. The hobby generally favors the Opeachy card. It's it was rarer because it was printed for the Canadian population versus the American population, which was much larger. But I don't know, you know, when you look at the population reports on PSA's website, they're very similar across both of them. So I think that the tops version doesn't get. I think it's underappreciated by the overall hobby right now, and we'll see if uh, if I remain alone in that or if other people agree as time goes by. Now, with how the Opeachies were cut, is it harder to find the Gretzky Opeachie in higher grade? Or is like PSA and other companies kind of lenient because of the dull blades? Well, the PSA is lenient because of the dull blades. You often see that real rough edge, which a lot of like hockey card purists want that. It's like, okay, well, definitely a pack pulled card, you know, not sheet cut from later on. Um, I would say the answer is yes. So Opeachie cards are going to be harder to find in good shape because the tops cards from all the ones that I've seen, they have sharp edges and the Opeachy and the Opeachies just don't, you know, some of them do a few do, but those blades seem to have dulled pretty quick. So most of the Opeachy cards from 7980 um, did have that, that real fuzzy uh, edging. It could definitely be wrong, but on this assumption, but I'd also assume that there was a lot more LCSs and card shops and the card culture in the United States where people are trying to protect things later on, like after the seventies compared to where Canada was at the time as well. I mean, wrong on that. If I if I understand what you're saying, I don't know. I mean, I remember I remember going to my LCS in 1985, 86, and seeing soft sleeves for the first time and thinking, "This is amazing." I now have something I can put my card in to protect. I think this was even before the days of. I can't remember for sure whether even like sheet, nine pocket sheets for binders. I don't remember, but. The first time I ever saw a penny sleeve was like in 1985 and then top loaders came out. Oh, this is great. Like all these, all these supplies came, but uh, I can tell you as a kid growing up in Canada in the eighties, I took care of my cards. You know, I'd go to school and my friends would be throwing them against the wall and, you know, playing all the different games and putting them in the spokes of their tires of their bicycle tires. I thought they were crazy. <laughs> These things were treasures to me. There's no way I was throwing them against the wall or putting them in my bike spokes. They were literally my treasure. They still are my treasure, which is kind of funny, but um, so I kept my cards in really good shape all the, from a kid all the way till, till today. But tougher for me to really speak on the greater hobby going to card shows like high school gymnasium card shows in the eighties. I remember people keeping their cards in pretty good shape or at least wanting cards in good shape. Interesting. So moving on. Yeah. Let's go, let's go to the, the, we're going to skip now from 1979 to 1985, which is coincidentally the year that I was just telling you that I was 
discovered yep. the penny sleeves and the a new player came on the scene who is going to be like the next greatest player ever his name is mario lemieux and uh you know it didn't take him long to establish himself as the second best player in the nhl behind of course wayne gretzky he also had an Opeachy and a Topps rookie card. Both companies continue to make the, the cards. And so I have an example of both of them here. And yet again, you know, on the front, this is the Topps card. This is the Opeachy. They look the exact same. There's really no detectable difference on the front, really at all. With the Gretzky, you can tell looking at the front of them. With the Opeachy, with the Lemuse, even looking at the front, it, it's a bit harder to, to tell which is which. But again, on the reverse, you can see the cardstock was a, was a little bit different. Um, not that easy to tell, but the tops back being this one here, it's a little bit, I don't know, the color is just a little bit more dull than over here. You can tell in the name bar, especially like right down in there versus there. Yep. So, and then where the tops logo is and everything with Opeachy, that whole side way, way wider versus the other one where it's dark. Say on that Gretzky, the biggest thing I know at least is the big yellow dot on the shoulder right away. That's a, yeah, that's a key feature. And just to just to show everybody what you're talking about there, if you look on the if you look on the Gretzky rookie, the Opeachy, right in front of my finger is a small yellow dot right on his orange shoulder. And that is the yellow dot that is has to be there on an OP. It's on every single copy of the Opeachy. Whereas the the tops copy, you don't have that yellow dot. It's it's just not there. So so those are the Lemieux. And then I have a special Mario Lemieux card I want to show you. To me, it's a rookie card, probably the rarest of all of Mar all Mario Lemieux's, like, you know, original Opeachy cards. And that is his 85 Opeachy box bottom hand cut. So what's really cool about this is this, you know, people will understand this, but this, this was the bottom of the box that the packs came out of. And uh, super tough to find these cards. Most of those boxes were thrown out. Um, the ones that weren't sat on shelves, the surface would get scratched easily, even when, when at, you know, at packaging at, at Opeachy or and tops with box bottoms, they put these in, into the cases, you know, those, those boxes would likely slide around a little bit, really easy to, to scuff the surface. So um, I, I managed to find what I think is the nicest copy that exists of this card. It's a PSA nine. I absolutely love it. It's uh, another one of those things that's sort of under the radar, but I think it'll, I don't think it'll remain there very long. What I like about it too is that you can see right along the top, you see that white, thin right. white line across the top and across and down That's the side here. In order for PSA to slab a box bottom, there has to be evidence on the card that it was from a box bottom. So you either need some of that original white or you need the, the black perforated lines that you can see on some of those box bottoms as well. But for my money, this is, uh, this is just an amazing piece that I, I absolutely love. And again, I consider it a rookie card. I mean, some people argue with me, that's fine. It's not like I'm, I, I fight back, it's, it is what it is, but what a nice grouping of cards right here. And uh, to me, this is a, a true, true scarce piece of uh, hockey history and hobby history. The box bottoms are just cool. I got two questions about it. First, is the back the same on the box bottom as the other Opeachy or is it completely different? It's, uh, I mean, it's the same design. I'll show you the the back. It's the same design, but the stock is just a little bit different. A little bit different. So this is the box bottom, and this is the op the, the regular pack pulled. So it's hard to page. see. A little but with my 
with my naked eye right here, I can tell there's a slight difference. You know, this is card number nine. So is the tops. You see the card number right there, card number nine. The tops copy is also card number nine. Whereas the box bottom is card number, I believe it's I. It's I or L, but it's definitely not a one. Now, was everyone in that set or did they only have a certain amount of players on the boxes or how did that work? Yeah, so each box had four cards on the bottom, right? There'd be a stack of packs on top of each card, on top of each box bottom card. And I believe there were four different panels altogether. So only 16 players in the box bottom set altogether. Was Lemieux the only one that people chase after or is there anyone like Gretzky on them as well? Gretzky does have box bottom cards. I don't, I'm not sure if he was in the 85 set or not. I think he probably was, but I can't recall myself chasing one or really even seeing one that I thought about buying. So I'm just not sure if there, if he was in that set, in the set that year. But they did have they did have multiple years then with the box bombs. It just wasn't yeah. that one release. Correct. I know they, I don't know that they did them in 84 the year before, but they definitely did them in 85, 86 and 87. I don't think they did them in 88. I'm not, they might've, I'm not sure. Got to ask, is there a wall as a, as a box bomb or no? I think, man, yeah, tough question. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know there's the wall, obviously tops and OPG, but I don't know if there's a box bottom, man, if there is, I got to add that to the list. From his rookie year, so his rookie year is the 86, 86, 87, the year after the Lemieux year. Um, I don't know if there is. Uh, something tells me there is because I can see I can see something in my head. I have an image of an 86 design image with him on there, sort of more in a, uh, in a, in a, a, a different picture of him than the rookie card, though. So there might be. There might be. I'll, I'll have to look up for it. It'll be fun. All right. Yeah, for sure. And that, that'd be, you know, if there is, we're both going to be targeting that now. You put me onto it too. But let's let's skip ahead just a few years now to 1988. And the reason I want to show a 1988 card is because for me, it's the last year before we get and really get into junk wax era. And I loved this set when it first came out, the design I just thought was really cool because you've got like, you've got the thumbtack on each of the cards kind of pinning the player name to the to the wall or whatever. But this particular card, this is the Brett Hall rookie card. And if you were around collecting cards in, you know, 1990, 91, 92, this was the card. This was the card everybody wanted because Brett Hall was scoring 90 goals a year, lights out. He was all the rage. And um, when I had my card shop in, we opened in 1991, we did a contest and the giveaway was a Brett Hall rookie card. And we had thousands of entries. I mean, everybody... We had it. We had a, a curb sign with the, announcing it, and people were stopping in to find out how to win a Brett Hall rookie card. This was all the rage, and again, probably the last year before ma real mass production in hockey started, uh, which was would have been the 89-90 year. So, just a cool card to show. I can't confirm with that. I was looking up when I was writing my book, spotting fakes on different cards that were counterfeited in the 90s, and that was one of the most counterfeited hockey cards, surprisingly enough. And now it's not worth as much as it was way back then. But I heard there's people that were just printing them at home and had their whole collection seized and dealers were calling in about it and everything, which is crazy to me. Yeah, uh, doesn't surprise me at all. That was such a popular card for, for several years. Then we had, you know, then all of a sudden the hobby changed. We had more companies coming out. Upper Deck came out with premium stock. They put the hologram on the back of the card to, to really uh, fight counterfeiting of, of these cards. And they there was no more gum, no gum in the packs, the no more wax, wax wrappers. We went to foil and 
Upper Deck did a great job with our first year of hockey cards. And then Opeachy figured that, hey, we need to respond because there's a premium product. Upper Deck's base level set is a premium product compared to ours, just based on the quality of paper. So they came out with their high-end set, which was called Opeachy Premier. And it lasted a couple of years. And in 1990, you had the first Opeachy Premier set. And this is the key card from it being the Yaromir Yager rookie. And really a great card. This card... It's funny, this card wasn't the number one card in the set back then. That, that would have been the Sergei Fedorov from the Detroit Red Wings. But over the years, the Jagger became the key card from the set. And as many people know, he's the second leading point getter in NHL history, a true legend, uh, and just a great personality too to go along with it. So a really cool card. And um, now this, this card was more, it's it sought after harder than the, than the upper deck rookie for Jagger. But when you look at the pop reports, there's way more of these than there is the upper deck. So I'm starting to think maybe the upper deck card is the scarcer copy. And if you're somebody who collects rookies and you want the scarcest or what we would deem the best and the best is going to be subjective, that might kind of go back from, from this card to the upper deck copy or, or version of his rookie card. He also has a score rookie card. I just don't like the looks of it. So I wouldn't even consider it as, as an option for myself, but it's between this and the upper deck. But this was the first real premium hockey product that came out in response to Upper Deck. Now he's still playing hockey too, isn't he? Or did he end up retiring? Well, he's done with the NHL. He retired from the NHL just two seasons ago, I believe. He played for a lot of teams. He moved around quite a bit. You know, he won Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh. He played with Mario Lemieux. They were in an outstanding tandem. But uh, yeah, he's, he's done playing in North America. He owns a team in the Czech Republic where he's from. And I believe he plays for that team. And I believe, I believe him playing for that team is the only thing that's keeping it in business. But Man, you can Google that to, to find out for funny. sure. Is he, is, he, is he qualified now for the Hall of Fame or is he not allowed to be in the Hall of Fame because he's still technically playing? Good question. I don't know how it works when it comes to uh, you know going and playing overseas, but he's not in there yet. But he's a he's a guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famer. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Yeah. So let's skip ahead now to, and I'm going to continue with the rookies. I only have a few more to show, two more years. So skipping ahead, that's 1990. The, the, whole, the whole decade of the 90s in hockey, not a lot of great rookies. You, there's only a couple that really come to mind. You've got Jerome McGinley in 1994, I believe or 95, you've got uh, Joe Thornton in 96 or 97. That's really it. There's no, there's really no other great rookie cards in all of the nineties uh, after the junk wax era. 1991 upper deck hockey has tons of amazing rookie cards like Timo Solani, Dominic Kasich, Peter Forsberg, the list goes on. But overall the nineties were kind of a, a dry era. And even the like the late 90s and the early 2000s, like 98 to 2001 or so, you don't have any real, at the time there were some important rookies there, but now they're, they're not important anymore. The first, the first, uh, the 2000 to 2010, now you've got, you know, or I should say more like 2002 to 2010. Now you've got rookies that are sort of important coming through every year. And it really hit a pinnacle with the 2005-2006 series because we had a double rookie class. 04-05 season was canceled. It did not happen due to a lockout. So 05-06, 
when in September or October 2005, when they got back to playing, we had a double rookie class that included Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin, two of the best players to ever lace them up. And upper deck at that time, we were very smart. And they said, you know, led, you know, I believe a lot of that creativity was led by Carvin Chung. They decided, hey, we've got a once in a lifetime opportunity. We have two generational players coming to the league at the same time. We got to exploit this. And they came out with some amazing sets that year. They had already been doing young guns for 15 years. So they did the young guns. They, they upped their game. They brought out the Upper Deck Ultimate Collection. They brought out uh, the Cup, which is still to this day, the exquisite of hockey. It's really, it really is exquisite. It's just branded as the Cup. And, um, and so I want to show you a couple cards from there of, of the key players. So I'm going to show you actually three young guns and then i'm going to sh show you three sp authentic future watch autos so you ask most hockey collectors they'll tell you there's really three main rookie cards each year now there are more but these are the three kind of most popular in each price point being super high you know mid and low now none of there's no low end anymore let's be honest in terms of these cards and even the mid is super high end now but Back when they came out, these weren't as expensive as they are today. So the Young Guns, I'm going to show you three of them. I'm going to show you two from 2005 and then one from 2015, being the Connor McDavid. So here you have what I believe are the three most important Young Guns of all time. You've got the in, in the middle, Sidney Crosby. To the right of him, you've got Alexander Ovechkin. And to the left, you've got the, the, the Connor McDavid. Three excellent cards. You know, these cards... I consider them commodity cards, but they're very expensive commodities now. Uh, it's pretty crazy what's going on with a lot with, with these cards now. But they're still, I, I used to call them like, you know, the, 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 the every man's rookie card, even though they're not anymore because they are so expensive, but they are still the base young gun. It's, it's your basic rookie card of all these players. Uh, and it's the one that a lot of people want. Young guns are, are well known outside of hockey as well. So I show you those and then I compare and contrast those with the SP authentic version of those players. And um, that's these here. These are my favorite cards as far as a rookie card goes because just how clean they are. You've got an on-card on card autograph, number to 999, beautiful, clean designs, just, just wonderful cards overall. And, um, you know, I used to collect the cup rookies, but they got a little out of hand. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go to SP Authentic because they're just super nice. They're clean. They're numbered. They're on-card autos can't go wrong and the market has proven me right over the last couple of years as these things have really blown up in value so that that kind of covers the the hockey rookies now there are again there's many more sets many more players of course but if we're you know we could do a whole episode just on the the hockey rookies from 05 forward so i just wanted to give you a sampling no that definitely helps on that side things now the sp authentics those are what numbered in 999 yeah and then with the young guns, what did some of those parallels come in? I know nowadays you can find like acetates and different foil variations uh, through EPACs, but when did they really start those? Did they start them in the early 2000s or those more newer years? I mean, I, I know for sure they had them in 05 in the, in the Crosby Ovechkin year, they had what were known as the, the, the high glossies, they called them. So they were a parallel numbered out of 10. So if you have a, now we just call them high gloss. If you have a high gloss Crosby or Ovechkin rookie, it's tens imagine. of thousands of dollars. It's an, because there's only 10 of them. And, it, and it's a parallel of their most iconic rookie cards being the young gun. 
So those are those are gems. Those are true true, true treasures. Very rare, of course. Only ten copies of each made. And then a few years, a couple years later, I think it was either the either in 06 or the next year in 07. I know for sure in 07 they did them. They came out with a, a parallel called exclusives, and those were numbered to 100. So now you've got the base young gun, you've got the exclusives parallel out of 100, and you've got the high gloss parallel out of 10. Now, for promotional and event purposes, they've done a, a, a parallel called the Midnights, which are out of 25. They give those away at the Expo, maybe the National. And then the ones you were referring to, like the uh, the acetates and the, the the foil copies. The foil copies are really a, an EPAC product. Those aren't pack pulled. And then you've got uh, the, the the acetate the acetate ones. The they're called like um, clear something or other. And uh, those just don't. Those are relatively new in the last four or five years only. And they're mostly uh, throat tribute cards. So, but they're beautiful as well. I actually have the Ovechkin, I copied the Ovechkin. I think it's an awesome card because it's a technology card, right? You've got die cut cardboard on top of a, an acetate background. My favorite, my favorite construction of a card. And I'm going to show you other version, other cards that are made like that uh, shortly here. Yeah. And some of those are signed, right? Or is it all just the base parallels? Well, so Upper Deck did a product called buybacks. Okay. So and that's what it is. Yeah. Buy them back, have them autographed, number them out of, 10 or 87 or whatever it was and insert those into packs got it yeah, yeah. let's take a look at some of those other parallels though because that's always interesting side yeah so I, okay so i've got some inserts uh some inserts here i don't I got a very cool base card i want to show you and then some parallels as well my favorites ryan are i love inserts and parallels but the best is a parallel of an insert and i'm going to show you i'm going to show you uh, one of those as well or a couple so the very first so now we're switching from like rookies to inserts slash parallels. The very first hockey insert that was numbered came out in 1990 in, in the ProSet product. And ProSet was probably the, the most highly printed set of all time. And right now there's nothing really of value in those boxes except for the Stanley Cup hologram. And that's this card right here. This was the big chase in 1990, 91, 92 in ProSet, every kid wanted to pull this card. I never pulled one and I had a shop. I never saw one pulled and I had a shop. It was very, very, very rare, even though on the back, it's number two, 5,000. This is a low number too, pretty cool. This is a 43 of 5,000. The lower the number, kind of the cooler as far as I'm concerned. And um, this is, a, it's extremely tough to find in good condition. Centering is tough. Surface is very tough. So this is the first insert in hockey. Now, people will say to you, well, there were inserts in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, but they were one per pack sort of thing. This is the first true chase insert. And it, again, the first serially numbered insert in hockey. And um, it, it is beautiful if you really can get it under light and look at it in hand. And that was the so, only trophy in there or did they have the other trophies as well? It's the only one. It's the only card in that set. The only insert in the first year of, uh, of pro set. Yeah, they did a they did a second hologram card in the second year in 90, uh, 91, 92 pro set that kind of represent it was a 75th anniversary card for the 75th anniversary of the NHL. But um, it, it, it doesn't command the dollars that this one does. It's I own a copy. I think it's really cool. But this is cooler. Definitely. And it's cool because we all wanted it as a kid. You know, that's a big part of it, right? I can't believe how rare it was, but I mean, it makes sense. The print run of 5,000 being one card in the junk wax era. 
Man, Ryan, it's so rare. People used to take metal detectors to the cases to try and pick up on the metallic finish of this hologram to find them. Like, you know, pack searching, that was happening back then. Pack searching, but you needed a you needed a metal detector to do it. Did that actually work though, though, with the metal detector, or was I just like a false rumor that people spread? I mean, I never tried. I never I, I don't know. I don't think it's a false rumor. I think it's, I think it's, I think it I, happened. I can't imagine if they had those in targets, just people bringing in their metal detector. People complain about all the people lining up nowadays. Just well, walking in there. I, I don't know that, I don't know that they're doing it at the targets or the Walmarts. I think they're doing it, you know, at the distributor or at the, at the LCS level or wherever, you know, wherever at the card shows, who knows, who knows? Pretty funny. And I don't mean to accuse anybody of doing that, but I, I think it did happen. So that's the first insert. We didn't have a lot of great inserts in the first half of the 90s, you know, even though it started off strong with that one. But in like 95, hockey started to see some really cool inserts, just like basketball and baseball and football did. And it was really led a lot by FLIR, FLIR Skybox. They did some wonderful inserts in those years. And a lot of people will be familiar with the basketball, the baseball, the football ones, but we don't you know they're less familiar with the hockey insert. So I'm going to show you a few from back then that I just think are, are wonderful. So the first one, the 1995 Zenith Z team, Wayne Gretzky, this is a, this is just a, a great insert. Um, I will admit, you know, I didn't chase this in 1990. This is 95. I wasn't chasing this product in 1995. I was kind of, you know, slowed down in my hobby activity by then. But when I got back in, I went back in time and I discovered a plethora of wonderful cards and this is one of them. So I grabbed a copy of this a while ago and I just, it's just a really cool. And you, you see this card in baseball too. I think in football as well, the same design. So should be familiar to a lot of people again from, uh, from, from Pinnacle Zenith. And then I want to show you this one. So metal universe, metal universe is legendary in basketball in football, especially now. Hockey had a metal universe set in 1996, but what it didn't have were the precious metal gem parallels, which basketball and football did have, but what they did have, and I don't think a lot of people know about this, so I might be breaking some news here, but this particular card I'm going to show you is an insert and it's a parallel of an insert. So this is 1996 metal universe hockey, Wayne Gretzky. This is the lethal weapon insert. As you can see, it says lethal weapon down the side. But if I hone in on the label, it says Lethal Weapon Superpower. You can kind of see that there. So the Superpower is kind of like the refractor version of these parallels. There's a couple other sets or insert sets uh, within here. Uh, one's called Ice Carvings, and the other one uh, is Escaping Me right now. It's a goaltender set. But to me, this is one of the coolest cards from the 90s because, number one, it's Wayne Gretzky. It's from, it's from Metal Universe, and it's a very rare in parallel of an insert so and it's beautiful it's freaking beautiful i had no idea about this yeah like it it's got that real metallic foil finish to the surface it just shines it's that's just a hockey exclusive they didn't have that in any other sports i don't believe they did lethal weapons in in either uh, basketball or football back mm-hmm. then yeah so so i want to show this one because to me it's very now it's not a precious metal gems, but it's kind of close, kind of close. So I wanted to share that one. And I'm going to show you some more precious metal gems in a moment. But the, so those two cards are from 1995. 
I'm going to show you this one too from 95. This is one of my personal favorites. Not a valuable card, but I just I showed it to you before. It's the uh, 1995 Emotion XL card made by Skybox. And it's hard to see, but this thing just, it's like sparkling diamonds all the way around it. Just a beautiful, beautiful card. Really nice in hand. You can kind of get a, an idea of what it looks like right from that angle there in the top corner. Really cool. So those are a few of my favorite inserts from 1995. 1996 rolls around, Ryan, and all of a sudden we have our very first memorabilia card. Upper deck game jersey. This is the Mario Lemieux. So this is the very first mem card in hockey. It was a 13 card set, extremely hard to find, extremely rare. You could open up cases and not find a single one of these cards. Um, but this is, you know, nowadays, as we all know, jersey cards are, you know, one per pack, dime a dozen, dollar bin fodder kind of thing, two for a buck sometimes. But I'm a big fan of the firsts of things. And this is the first one. So to me, this is a very special set. I did complete this whole 13 card set. To me, it's worthy of, of, of my attention, my, my resources. I love it. And, um, and this is the Lemieux, the best card in the set. Gretzky wasn't made. He, his first mem card came in the next year. But this is, uh, this is what they look like. Extremely fragile, Ryan. The paper stock is so thin. It's like thinner than 35 point. And actually, this white layer of cardboard is actually die cut and laid on top of the, the dark, the dark uh, layer behind to, to really seal off the, the memorabilia. Lay, they, they laid it on top. And uh, so very, so basically what I'm saying is where it's gray is yeah. like twice as thin as up here where you've got two layers and they're That's still crazy. super, super thin, completely, super flimsy. Completely different from today where it's like what, some of the cards are 180 point now they're just super thick. And then now back then, single layer. Exactly. exactly. So much harder, so, so much harder to pack search back then too. <laughs> yeah, you could, cause they were so all, all the cards are so thin. You can't, you can't. Yeah, so that's your nine. That's your first Jersey card. Now we're going to, we're going to fast forward quite a bit here because you know, the first half of the two thousands, I can't think of a lot of inserts that, that interest me. If I go through my collection, there aren't a lot from those first five years, but then you had, then you, you really had the cups, the cup came out in 2005. It's full of inserts, but those are kind of, you know, auto patches and stuff like that. But in 2008, you had Fleer, put out a product called EX and they had some really amazing uh, inserts. And I'm going to show you two of them here. And they're both throwbacks to original FLIR inserts from like basketball in 1997. The first one I'm going to show you is the very first time hockey had a jambalaya and it's from 2008 ultra EX. And this of course is the Wayne Gretzky. And I absolutely love this card. It's to me the nicest. Now hockey's had several years of jambalayas, these are the nicest for my money. I love, look at that red. Look how deep that red background is. Really and the pops the, even in video. Yeah. And the lent, look at the lenticular effects of it. How it just, those like lights kind of shine and move in, in, in the, within the, the stock itself and the blue, you know, they made it the shape of a hockey rink as well as they could versus the oval that you had in 97 um, Jambalaya, for the basketball cards, but it's just gorgeous with the foil the foil stamping where it says Jambalaya, his name, the EX logo, just a, just a beautiful, nice. beautiful card. So this is the first time we had Jambalaya's in hockey. These are very desirable right now. The hobby's caught on to these guys. Was it like a case hit back then as well? Or how did that work? 
I believe it was tougher than a case hit. I believe it was tougher than a case hit to hit one of these. And then the other insert that I want to show you is the essential credentials from 2008. Now, if you follow basketball, you know that essential credential basketball cards are extremely pursued and valuable to this day. We didn't have, hockey didn't have essential credentials in the 90s, but we had them in 2008. We've had a few more since then. But this is the, and they come in two versions. Like back in 08, these are, I don't think these are called nows and futures like they are uh, nowadays, but these are the greens and then there's, the, and there's also the oranges. And um, the greens were, so the oranges were numbered to the player's jersey number. So, so Crosby would be out of 87 and the greens were numbered to their 100 minus their Jersey number. So this is numbered to 13 because you know, hundred minus 87 is 13. So this is an extremely rare and difficult uh, card to find. And I'm lucky that I own this particular copy. I absolutely love it. I love these essential credentials. The oranges are beautiful. The greens are beautiful. And, uh, and again, it's a really cool technology card because you've got, you've got, cardboard die cut right die cut this way on both sides on top of this this green acetate and the the die cut cardboard is even it's even got like it's a, a foil sort of surface a foil finish so super cool you've got you got the nice gold stamps just an amazing card that is awesome yeah I, I love these so these are probably two of my favorite cards uh that i own right there i just love them both so that was 2008 Fast forward now to 2012, and Upper Deck owns the FLIR brands by now, and they decide to put out a set called FLIR Retro, and they did it in basketball, football, and hockey. However, only hockey was licensed, right? Basketball and football weren't licensed, so the hockey set is very special. I believe I can say it's my favorite set of all time, my favorite product of all time. I opened up a few boxes back in the day. And, um, and now I've, I've really aggressively collected a bunch of the cards from there, the inserts, of course. And many of it, it's called Fleer Retro because it was, you know, they looked retroactively back to a lot of the sets that Fleer had put out in the 90s. So I pulled out a couple here. I pulled out three. The first one, actually, I'll, I'll start with the essential credentials because I had showed you this one here from the 08 essential credentials. Here's the 2012 essential credentials. This is the Wayne Gretzky. Look, it's pink, Ryan. It's pink. You don't see that often in cards. You don't see that often. And I'm, I mean, back in the day, I don't remember doing this, but I would imagine myself seeing this and be like, what is that? Why, why pink? That makes no sense. What are they doing now? I love it. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. I just, my eye likes it. What can I say? And uh, this, just a great card. This particular card is numbered out of 34. There's, I think, 40 cards in the set. Again, technology card. You've got the cardboard die cut to the player's body shape, which is really intricate, on top of a couple of different colors of acetate. So really an amazing card. Just overall, actually, this is a foil. This deep pink here is foil. This is acetate. And I think this is um, the middle color, I think, is just like an, uh, an ink that they put on. But either way you look at it, it's just beautiful. For my money anyway for my eyes i love it so again you know we have our essential credentials from 08 from 2012 and this design does harken back to the 2000 or the 1997 essential credentials from uh, basketball pretty cool they are and then 
We also had the Playmakers Theater in the 2012 Fleer Retro. I mean, in basketball, the Playmakers Theater, it's a legendary insert set. People These look them. very similar. They were numbered to 100 back in, nine, in the 90s. This card, this card here is also numbered to 100, just above my finger there on the back. This particular copy is numbered 87 of 100, which is Sidney Crosby's jersey number. I'm a sucker for a nice, for a nice serial a number. So number match. Yeah. So that's that's a beautiful card. I really, really enjoy that one. And then uh, the second last group of cards I want to show you are from 2012. Again, Fleur Retro, the precious metal gems. So as we know, PMGs, as we refer to them, are probably the most famous inserts of all time. The 97 PMG Green Michael Jordan is a million-dollar card. Amazing card, super condition sensitive. Well, the 2012 Fleur Retro, they did a great job of... Um, of them in the hockey version. And so what's interesting is that back in the 90s in basketball, you had you had the greens out of 10 and the reds out of 100, but the reds were actually out of 90. So the first 10, the first 10, sorry, the first 10 were green and then card numbered 11 to 100 was red. So you had 100 altogether. The greens I, were I very rare. That. Pardon? I said, I didn't know that, that they did everything like that numbering wise. They did that in 97. I'm just going to explain that one more time. I felt that wasn't clear. So in 97 basketball, as far as the PMGs go, there were two colors. The greens were, they were all out of 100, but the greens were numbers one of 100, two of 100, up to 10 of 100. So there's only 10 of them. 11 out of 100 was red. 12 out of 100 was red all the way to 100 out of 100. So you had 100 total copies, 90 reds, 10 greens. When they did the Fleer Retro product in 2012 hockey, they added a blue level in the middle out of 50. So you got, and I believe that they also, yeah, they made only 10 greens, but they made a hundred reds and 50 blues. So I'm going to show you what these all look like. They're very close to the originals from 97. And, um, and I'm going to start, I'll start with the red. So Wayne Gretzky, here's the PMG red Wayne Gretzky. The very first time we had PMGs in hockey. And you can see in the corner, it even says precious metal gems, just like they did back in 97 in Fleer, Fleer uh, Metal Universe basketball. So great cards, very condition sensitive. This is a PSA 7, which I'm ecstatic to own. I actually just got this in Toronto at the Expo from a good friend of mine. Then there's the blue, the blue version, which is exclusive to hockey or was, well, I shouldn't say that. It was newly introduced in 2012, but I do believe that the retro basketball set also had blues, although they weren't licensed here in college uniforms, whereas these are professional uniforms in hockey. So there's the blue out of 50. And then... One of my prized possessions is the green out of 10 Gratsky. So we call this, of course, uh, the rainbow. I, I happen to have the whole rainbow here and um, couldn't be happier to have those cards. That's kind of my, my insert run. I want to show one more card. I forgot to show you earlier. When Upper Decks the Cup came out in 2005, you had the base set. Now, I'm a sucker for an important base card. And I believe that the... I'm actually going to take it out of the holder here, out of the, 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 the little uh, graded card bag or sleeve. But this is the very first Wayne Gretzky base card from Upper Decks the Cup. This design to me is one of the nicest designs ever on any card. Look how gorgeous that is. Like they did. Looks yeah, they put out the cup for 15 or 16 years now. It's always a beautiful product. But this year, the first year they did it, it really stands alone as far as design, in, in my opinion. And uh, this is just, I feel it's a really important base card. If you look at Michael Jordan's base card from the first year of Exquisite, 
it's an extremely valuable, uh, highly pursued and respected card. So I thought the Gretzky would be around, you know, the hobby would, would feel the same way about the Gretzky. And I, um, and I'm glad I added this to my collection several years ago. So I wanted to share that because it's kind of, to me, you know, the cup is the start of an era in hockey, just like exquisite is the start of an era in basketball. And I think it's important to showcase some of the most, some of the, I guess the best base card from those sets. No, I agree with you. Like, that this this was awesome by the way showing everything all the way back from tobacco cards to today it's a hundred years of how technology has progressed from little itty bitty cards like this all the way to the 3d acetates yep well even 1880s with that first card to then the small tobacco cards to 50s really really small towards tops and all the way to acetates i mean you literally went over the entire history so thank you for sharing your collection Hey, uh, thanks for giving me the, uh, the platform to do it. You know, I obviously I do my show a lot, but I don't really cover my collection too much or have the opportunity to go through and try to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say educate because I'm not the best person for this job, but um, at least, at least kind of open people's eyes to what's out there and some of the cards that I love and that uh, the hockey hobby uh, loves as well. So really thank you, Ryan. And no problem. You did an awesome job. So besides your YouTube channel, what, what are some other avenues people can find you at? Oh yeah. So my YouTube is sports cards live. So please check that out. Throw me a subscribe and uh, check out my interviews on there. I also do a show uh, on most Saturdays late night called after hours on the same channel. I can be found co-hosting with you hobby hotline on Saturday mornings on the hobby hotline, YouTube channel. I also host a show called Collectible Live that I do for the Collectible, the fractional ownership company, Collectible. And um, I'm even doing a series right now called Today's Collector, which I'm doing. I'm working with the Mint Collective, which is the big show coming in Vegas at the end of January. So that's on the Mint Collective's YouTube channel. And then I'm on Instagram as at Lee underscore sports cards live. And I'm on Twitter at uh, sports cards LIV1. That's where, uh, that's where you can find me. And I'm on Whatnot. Check me out on Whatnot as well under Sports Cards Live. Ton of different places. Make sure you guys give Jeremy a follow, at least on one of them. Thanks again for doing the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. Had a great time. There we go. And I'll stop sharing.